You are listening to Talking I.O., a podcast about technology in the real world, where we discuss enterprise technology, how to sell it, and how it best helps your customers. Your hosts are Christian Cloud and Stuart Harmon, and we work for Dell EMC. Follow us on TalkingIO.com or on Twitter at TalkingIO. You had asked earlier about doing a, a, a facility tour. One of the coolest things ever was the box troll cars down in Portland. So the box troll cars was a novel um, based on the same company that did Coraline, and it's that stopgap animation. Mm-hmm. And I got to, and Leica is the company that produces those movies. And I got to do a tour of their production facility down in Portland, which is a huge warehouse. And those big scenes that you see in this 50-foot screen out on the TV mm-hmm. are actually little tiny boxes that are, I don't know, five by five three by three and they're extremely elaborate sets that some somebody has made a miniature of and they put the characters and they 3d print all the faces and then they have a a camera on a boom arm that they swing out they take pictures and then they move the character and they change out this the faces are on little magnets they change out the face and then they take a picture and they change out the face and that's how they do these stopgap and it's done in this little they got, I don't know, 100,000 square foot warehouse divided up into all the sets and it's like 10 by 10, 20 by 20 cool, rooms right? just made out of uh, dark curtains that they drop over. And then they do all the set work and there's like one artist that's in charge of each set. So is it the graveyard or is it the house or is it whatever? It's one of the coolest tours I've ever done for one of my customers. That is really cool. I gotta say, it's one of the things that I miss about being in the field is I no longer get to go do really cool customer tours. So we are today going to be talking about IT modernization. And what does that really mean to our customers? You know, we have this conversation constantly about what is IT modernization? How do we get there? What does it really buy for us? So today we're gonna get through some of that discussion. What are some of the fundamental uh, principles of IT modernization? What are the steps so we can show customers tangible results to get there? Uh, You know, I, I think we do a great job in the industry of talking and we don't always show the path. We leave it up to our customer at the end of the day. And a lot of what we wanna get to I think in all of these episodes is not just what the technology is or not just what the concepts are, but what are some of the steps to take to get our customers to a place that's better and that we can show tangible results off of so that we can be successful, they can be successful, and we can continue to succeed together. Sound good? Yeah, sounds like a great topic. Uh, All right, so what do you have in the news this week? I am looking at a couple of things here. It's... uh, I thought this was interesting. A house panel calls for more self-driving cars, and they're giving car companies that make uh, automatic cars the right to ignore existing safety standard protocols. Okay, so what does that mean? It means that if your car functions as intended and contains fail-safe features, you can put it on the road. So you and I have to follow rules test and prove we understand basic knowledge we can't go to the dol department of licensing and say i tell you that i can drive right. and i get to drive how i want no yeah. but if you can get an autonomous car that does what you say it's going to do you can go do whatever you want yeah we've definitely had some interesting times uh when i was in portland for work i believe it was a month ago they had a news broadcast and it said by the end of 2017 or the beginning of 2018 I apologize if the time frame is a little messed up. That the first automated taxi will be uh, uh, presented or on the road in Portland, Oregon. So Portland, Oregon is really pushing it. Wow. So 
you should be statistically, you're going to start to see a lot more of the automated cars being a part of our, a, a part of our daily lives. And it's just going to be really interesting to see how regulations, rules, and... Hey, I agree. You know, I was thinking at the end of our lifetime, we'd be lucky to see truly autonomous cars. And then a year and a half ago, I was thinking 2030 before it was mainstream. You got to remember, 2030 isn't that far away now. That's right. very soon. Right. Um, yeah, it, you know, there's there's a few cities that now have autonomous vehicles, at least in like taxi and bus lanes where they've made a dedicated lane, but they're still autonomous. Right. Uh, people are driving Ubers all around town now. Uh, right or not Ubers? I apologize. Uh, people are driving the Teslas with the automated driving feature, right. and they're not they're they're relying on the automated driving more than than anything. Uh, I think it's crazy. So that one I heard is uh, still has like some bugs to to work out per se. So that and that that's what's kind of blowing my mind the fact that there's this push where Teslas I believe was like one of the first companies to make that a standard feature in their cars. And it just seems like within that announcement, since that announcement, it's become almost commonplace for, for manufacturers to start developing. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we talk about digital transformation. They say it was one thing not to have uh, an autonomous vehicle plan three years ago for a manufacturer, but everybody has one now. Those that don't won't be, won't be in the car industry in 10 years, probably. Um, I do think that one of the, it's hysterical that with autonomous vehicles comes new road rage incidents. Uh, there is now a, a thing where if you notice a model Tesla that you know has autonomous driving features, people, if they need to cut in traffic, cut in front of the Teslas because they know that no matter what the driver wants, the Tesla will slam on the brakes and won't hit them. So if you're driving through traffic and you wanna jump on that exit that's coming up real fast and there's a big long line in it, aim to the front of the Tesla, the brand new Tesla, because that car will not hit you. Most likely, I don't, you know, don't take my word for that. I don't, I don't need anybody to go, but people are playing chicken, especially in LA with autonomous Teslas. And they're seeing, they're either slamming on the brakes, they're messing with them, or they're using them to cut through traffic because the car responds faster than the human. So scary, that's interesting. All right, so I gotta ask, what movie do you think depicts the future, our foreseeable future, 2030, 2050, better than anything? I think you just read my mind. I was going to bring up something, speaking of automated cars. I think the movie Logan act, actually has... Oh, I haven't seen that one yet. It accurately depicts some futuristic things. Do you mind if I mention one related to the movie? Go for it. There's automated trucks. So the tractor-trailer trucks, the transport trucks in the, in the movie have no exotic. Well, I mean, that's considered most likely the first thing. Long-haul trucks will be the first thing to not be allowed to have a human to drive them. It's a difference between a car can drive itself and a human is not allowed to drive it. Right? I mean, that's almost another evolution. Right. But they say that long-term trucks are the first thing that'll go. They'll have like a way station. A driver will drive around the city right now. And then when it comes to the long haul, the straight shot down 90 from Boston to Seattle, the human gets out the truck runs. But I, I can completely see that. The thing about the movie Logan, it, there was some futuristic aspects of it because it was set like in 2020-something or 2030-something. But they weren't far-fetched from where we are now. Like it was just like a little bit of glimpse of what we're going to see probably in the next Yeah, 2030 is not that, again, it's not that 12, yeah. 13 years down the road. Yeah. I know math. Uh, all right, my vote 
is going to dumb it down a little bit, but I think it's the most accurate hot tub time machine too. <laughs> Have you seen it? No. The cars. They're, they're one of the news features when they're doing a cutscene is like, and there's another incidence of road rage between two autonomous cars today that were arguing over a parking spot. Because as you give cars more autonomy, they have more ability to make their own decisions, right. but they also have a directive to do. Right. And it, you could see a point where you try and give a car creativity so that it can do something. Yeah. They could run into you, decide that they weren't happy with it, and then the guy starts talking trash to the car and insulting it, and it goes back to the being. It was like permission to kill human, and then it tried to hunt the guy down around town because it's just hysterical, right? But you could totally yeah. see once cars are making their own decisions that they start to believe that their decisions are right and they don't like your opinion. So what I'm hearing is Skynet with a little bit of human. Yes. And <laughs> not quite as mass destruction. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're not trying to control humans. They're just trying to live with them like another, right. like it's just another thing trying to live and they sometimes get in fights. I'll check that one out. I haven't seen it. It's freaking, it's just there. I love the Hot Tub Time Machine movie. It's one of those, you look at the first one, you went, it's going to be a horrible movie. And then you finish it, like, that was a good movie. Like, it wasn't a great movie by any means, but it was funny. I was a fan of, I was a fan of the first one. The second one is, is good. So, um, I looked at something on the news. Um, I saw that uh, VMware Cloud on AWS, um, a lot of vendors and partners are kind of weighing on the risk of this. Um, I saw this article on CRM, and uh, essentially what I'm getting from this article, what, as I scan through it, is that the VMware hypervisor will be offered in the AWS cloud. So it'd be a great opportunity for customers um, that uh, want to take their private workloads and be able to push them into a public setting really efficiently and a lot easier. That's cool. Uh, you know, you look at Dell EMC's stated direction, we believe hybrid cloud is the answer. As we talk more and more about cloud native, right? How do you build something that's designed to run there um, and get ported out into the public cloud, back into the private cloud? Uh, that ability to agnosticate your applications and your workloads from your infrastructure is huge. I can see that being, <clears throat> that's one of our core tenets of modern IT, right, is that cloud-enabled and software-defined components. So how do you take what you're running today and be able to put that workload where you need it, whether it be on-prem or do you need to move it out to the cloud? You know, like to this point, I heard an interesting conversation the other day, and it was essentially um, surrounding cruise ships. And the fact that I had never thought about this before, but cruise ships have their own data centers. And they, um, a lot of cruise ships are being pitched hybrid cloud environments. Um, and uh, so someone said, what's the difference in giving them just a set of rack servers versus a cloud environment? And one statement was made that kind of clicked in my head a little bit and helped me wrap my mind around the difference between cloud and then uh, traditional IT. And it said that they, they're generally going to have limited IT stack, stack. And so the services that a cloud solution provides, that limited IT task stack makes the cloud setting, the cloud environment a lot more efficient and siloed or isolated environments such as a cruise ship. I think another great thing is, is we talk about, so as you move your, your workloads, right, you are a cruise ship, but you want to be able to have your employees have the same experience when they're on the cruise ship as when they're off, or, Absolutely. you know, is your, your CRM or your order entry staff, or is your, your guest management tool, um, is, your, is your guest management tool the same as it is in the cruise ship as it is offline? And if you have this true native cloud or this hybrid cloud solution, you can develop an application 
You can build it out in the public cloud or you can build it at your office and then you can put a, a version of it that is identical out into each of your, your ships and you can have that data port seamlessly. You can have that same application experience spun up there elsewhere. Another cool use case I saw was on airplanes. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is, uh, it was a military use, uh, but it's around submarines or the tent in Afghanistan. How do you develop one thing and you can put it in any location, no matter what the use case is, and as long as you get the data, the infrastructure behind it to support it, but they're, you can run them in both places or you can port them out between different different areas and environments. Absolutely. You know, the, one of the, kind of just taking that a little bit further, a argument was made that, well, cruise ships, submarines, whatever, you know, uh, if you want to see the examples we just used, are going to be extremely niche, isolated environments, but the thing is, if you can do that in those environments, you sure as heck can do that in environments that are going to be uh, a lot more equipped to have data centers inside of it, like an office setting. Absolutely. So yeah. They're great examples. I, I, I believe it's a great customer case or, or a business case as to why a hybrid cloud would be a good idea. Yeah, and to further down the hybrid cloud path into the, the modern infrastructure, modern data center path, right? There's some other things that, that make that possible around moving the data center from just being in a core data center environment to much smaller environments. Is it Flash is one of them. It's one of our core foundations, but it takes less power. Um, you know, submarines are usually pretty good. I think they're all nuclear enabled now. They have unlimited power, but you get out into a tent in the middle of nowhere, you're running a generator, you don't have consistent, so you need much lower power requirements. Um, so Flash is a huge one. I think some of our converged infrastructure plays, right? Where how do you get the right physical footprint in the right location uh, is huge also. Um, what are some of the other things that, that as we're positioning and modernize IT, um, orchestration and being able to, and automation, being able to deliver those applications a lot faster and a lot more efficiently. Um, I think uh, using some of those technologies such as Flash and for your customer's environment to be software defined gives you the ability to deliver those applications a lot faster than traditional IT. Absolutely. And, you know, as you move up that workflow stack from there, right, so you get a good infrastructure. It's built on, on these modern components, uh, scale out, so you can, the other great thing about that scale out principle, right, so we've got the four principles, yeah. flash, scale out, cloud enabled, and software defined. The great thing about that scale out principle is you can scale it in, too. So how do you put a small subset, maybe I've got uh, the cruise ship and I have 50 users as part of my staff that need to use this. Um, I can put three nodes where maybe at the corporate offices I have a thousand users that need to hit this or I need to pull that data in to do analytics against it. Well, I can scale out that, that cloud to find uh, modern IT infrastructure to 200 nodes, right? And I can bring that in and out depending on what my workloads are and I don't have to buy the same chunk of stuff for every single use case. And what is the word that everyone, or phrase, that everyone hates to hear, especially probably on the sales side. And I'm gonna venture to say, even as a customer, when a CIO or administrator of some, uh, some sort approaches them and says, we need to do less with more. It's like these techies methods that Dale Rudy is in charge in allow us, allow us to do less with more. It's true, we do a lot less. I mean, that's been a mantra for since 07, 08, right? Less with more, less with more. Uh, but we're seeing, again, the steps that we take to get there. And then, you know, once you got the infrastructure kind of agnosticated from the software and you're, you're able to do these cloud-enabled 
applications so you can move them to the right location. You know, moving up that stack, continue to be able to do workflow automation so the right people can approve uh, the cloud so that then the business users can go and spin up. I think one of the things that we see off of as we go up that build by stack that you might not be applicable for the cruise ship. You don't have developers out on the ship creating new instances, right? But you do back in the corporate data center, you exactly. want developers to be able to have that level of access. So maybe workflow isn't the same everywhere, but how do you get workflow and self and automation so that the right people have, they don't have to physically go in and decide who the workflow is and it goes to the people automatically, right? Exactly. So you're saying the captain doesn't develop apps and sail the ship, is that right? Probably not. <laughs> the captain sails ships. I think the pilot sails. The, pi the pilot. Yeah. Captain just the captain <laughs> just has fancy person. dinners. <laughs> Everyone I'm not a nautical person. I always laugh. I think EMC had to have come from a nautical place because everything I see there is or military, right? Like I was looking at their their job sites the other day for a friend of mine. Brass ring is the name of it. And then uh, you know, EM Dell has the same thing. We have the call the ball, right? Which is the in not in Navy terms, that's where you're the I don't know if you know this, our call the ball is based on the Navy term of when you're coming in on your fighter jet onto an aircraft carrier uh -huh. and you're calling the distance to that the whatever the, that's what i've been told that what that the, the catch rope right. is the call the ball that's when you're coming in oh, on the wow. aircraft carrier you know what you bring up a good point but just our acronyms in general so for someone that does not work at that i'm sure other companies are very similar to this if you are a fly on the wall you would not even know you would think we're speaking another language just all the, the acronym heavy environment that we're in and it's from what I understand, the military is very much like that. Oh, yeah. Everywhere is. I, I, I don't know where that is. And I'll never forget when I first started in IT, they, they handed out, uh, it was like a 10-page, 8-point font, front and back, of nothing but one-line acronyms. It was like, I wish I still had that sheet. It was like a 2,000 acronym page. They're like, well, the first thing you need to know is these. I, should, I said that's awesome. That sounds awful. Yeah, awful. <laughs> that sounds awful. Although I would like to hand that out to some new people and just say here. Memorize these, <laughs> just to mess with them. Uh, what else around Get Modern is important, uh, or the modern? Oh, so another tool, and we're going to go into this tool. I think at a later time, uh, we're doing a Get Modern assessment now with our customers, right? But we have a set of tools. So again, we tell customers they need to modernize, they need to load, reduce costs, do more with less. Um, how do we show them? proof points and the path along the way to really help them modernize because we're trying to get them from that traditional 80% spend to keep the modern to keep the lights on to and 20% spend to do things that actually impact the business to a 50-50 mix where half of what they do is generating revenue for the business. You continue to see this in every CIO article. Um, they're expecting the CIOs to be a part of the business. They expect the CIO to be a revenue generation center and not a cost operation center tools that we use to get our customers there. Uh, we're doing our modernization assessments. Um, they are it's straightforward, right? You take a set of server and storage data. We take it off of our Dell EMC tools. Uh, we take that information. We compile it. We understand an as-is state. Uh, and then we give our customer a, a few options on a 2B. And we can actually show them what does Flash get them from spinning disk? What's the difference in a future state? What does it do from their as-is state today where they've got maybe three, three, three racks of stuff going in a colo facility where we can take it down to one. I mean, those are huge savings that are very tangible. Uh, we can show them what that operational cost reductions will be. And you continue to take steps like that throughout your organization and then leverage automation technology so that you can repurpose people 
and put them into things that drive revenue and you're not deciding where data goes on disk, you're not tweaking knobs. Um, I, I think we can show our customers that path. Connor, as a plain devil's advocate, sir, a lot of our, a lot of sales reps and or SAs that we deal with in the field may ask you this one simple question. I'm not dealing with Amazon. I'm not dealing with Google. That's true. You're not. Um, but I think there's still very, so I think there's a difference. I, I see that question more in everything needs to be cloud or everything needs to be containers. I don't see it nearly as much in other conversations around modernization and operational efficiencies are something that we've seen, not just, I mean, supply chain is required, it, human resources required, it, medical supply, I mean, everything's required optimization. There's just another flavor of that. Totally agree, like, you know, in closing, what I'll say on that point is getting, you're finding out and discovering your customer's pain points. What's actually, what actually causes their pain? A lot of times we say that as buzzwords, but if you can actually discover that and dig and find that information, you're able to position these technologies a lot more efficiently. So, um, yeah. That's the discussion for IT modernization. If there's any questions that we can answer for you guys, reach out to us. You can reach out to us on Twitter at TalkingIO at any time. You can reach out to me at Stuart at work. And I'm at Cloud. Over the next couple of weeks, we've got a handful of topics. I think we're going to go into our cloud conversations. So we'll go into conversations around VMware Cloud Foundation, OpenStack, and the Microsoft Hybrid Cloud. Might even bring in a little bit of VxRail, vSAN, if you want to get into what is cloud infrastructure? Is it platform? Is it a service? Is it a capability? Is it a thing? Sound good? Sound good, Rich. Great. Uh, we will be producing this and publishing the second and fourth Thursdays of every month. The following Monday, we'll make sure we get it out onto the internet for those of you that missed it and want to join us in the car at your convenience. Thank you for listening. Appreciate the time. This has been another episode of Talking I.O. with host Christian Cloud and Stuart Harmon. We appreciate you listening. Follow us on TalkingIO.com or on Twitter at TalkingIO. 